Welcome everyone to the Sunday Recap. We are here today. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Mitch Green and Ariel Eldridge, who is over here doing the sprinkler. You know, sometimes <laughs> I'm silent, but there's good stuff going on. She's, yeah, she's diving back into her Purdueette days. Oh, oh stop. Right here. Stop. Can, we, can we find, you know, you on YouTube anywhere? Your Purdueette yeah, videos? Yeah, you, could. you oh, could. Oh, man. Yeah. That might have to launch us into a podcast. <laughs> a little Purdueette audio. Let's clarify, though, to those of you out there who think that Purdueettes is a palm squad, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, we did a little dancing. It was a, a women's glee club, and yeah. I was part of it. That's and awesome. that's all I'll say. Yeah. Now, you and your husband, Jeremy, both sang. <laughs> we right? did, yeah. Oh, pretty, so yeah. now we're saying they were both a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, he wasn't a pretty wet. He, yeah. <laughs> he was in the men's glee club. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Super cool. That's awesome. I know uh, quite a few Purdue singers mm-hmm. here yeah. at our church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they're is, sprinkled through the congregation. Yeah, yeah. Which is super cool. I'm like, It man, is very cool. Yeah. You should get all you. I'm sorry, serious. We should just bring all you guys back together. We'll do a little reunion. That's I fine. was a show choir kid in That's high school fine. too, so please don't hear this. Were as you a really? Tone. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes, I was. So, so don't hear that. Don't hear that as like a great place of judgment. Oh, <laughs> so. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. If there's a reunion, though, we're singing Hail Purdue and. Just everybody's going to have to <laughs> going to have to go with it. And the church will be like, mm, let's think about <laughs> who, who are we upholding? Which feeds well into our podcast today. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. This weekend we had Josh Hirschberger, who was a guest speaker today or guest speaker this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh is a, uh, a lawyer, but he's also a, uh, a teaching pastor at his church down um, kind of near the Evansville area, I think somewhere down there. Um, and him and his wife and their two kids, they came up and visited us and it was, it was great to have him here. Did you guys get a chance to talk with him at all or? Yeah, I did. I thought he was great. I thought he was a really nice guy. I mean, what an incredibly, um, difficult, but important role to play. Yeah. You know, not only in like the church, but just in Christian society, you know, when you started to list off what he is, I was like, yeah, he does like five things. He does five jobs. Uh Yeah. But he was very great. It was nice. He was very nice. Yeah. Good. Cool. I got to talk with him a little bit. I think we were wondering more, what is his workout routine? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh. That's, that's what I asked yesterday. I, <laughs> I, said, I hope he listens to I this. Said, <laughs> I asked, I asked, I asked yesterday. I was like, I was like, guys, I mean, what do you think? Like CrossFit or, <laughs> or you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is, it's arms. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. That's good. Well, um, yeah, you don't get quite the effect when I'm holding a lightsaber up there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Let's go ahead and dive into what we're going to talk about today. We want to do sort of a review. Obviously, this is a sermon recap podcast. That's what we're doing. So we want to take what Josh uh, put forward today and uh, or this weekend and then kind of talk through that. But the problem is, is that, man, he blasted through a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, I mean, really a lot. I, I looked uh, at his book over the weekend and... I saw that really what he did on Sunday was a flyover of his entire book. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So we got like, you know, a 250 page book that we could unpack basically, which we don't have time to do. So, um, but what I do want to do is um, really dig into, I think the, the first point that he had um, is sort of the, the, the foundation of what he talked about, because all of the other things that he talks about are sort of outworkings of those uh, of those things that he brought up in the first point. 
And the first thing that he said was that we are that we really should review our role as uh, as citizens. And a lot of this really comes back to is when he started this out. He comes back to what are you actually taking in that's informing who you are as a citizen. Mm-hmm. So uh, so you can, come, you can come back to um, the news media, uh, other forms of media, social media, things like that, that are helping to inform who we are as citizens and how we should respond mm-hmm. to things like that versus actually going to God's word and things like that. So how, how has this all had influence over the direction that our country is going or uh, the way that we... Uh, even respond uh, and vote and all that sort of stuff. How do you guys, how have you guys seen these things have that kind of uh, influence? Yeah, I I just think we didn't know the potential of what social media could be Mm -hmm. when it was established. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean that sound, it sounds like I was saying positive things. I think we just didn't know the role in society it was going to play. Even Josh, you know, he talks about how social media is really the beginning of engaging in the public square Mm -hmm. um, and his message. And I, I think I think it just it contributes to society in ways that we weren't ready for, and we've not yet had answers to figure out how we navigate that. Yeah, and so there's a constant battle with a million different sides, um, you know, as it relates to censorship, not censorship, platforms, laws, rights, what they can do, how they can communicate. This, so, so I think I think again, like I think that's one component of it. How do we engage with social media, just in the broad sense? Yeah, but then I think too, um, we're seeing news media and cable media is a constantly changing thing too. And how do we engage with that? So, you know, you've got new cable news stations that people are engaging with. You've got old ones. Um, Everybody feels different about them. And the fact is you, it's hard to, it's hard to know um, what, what information you're interacting with. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Part of the issue that I've always taken with it and, and and don't hear, don't, don't take this wrong. Okay. Cause I I think this can get a little funny for people, but, um, news media exists because, um, they can sell commercials. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, they have to have something to, to present to us in order to, you know, mm-hmm. sell Tide Pods and things like that. Um, and so, uh, um, so, so the, and they're in competition with other forms of news as well. And so, um, so th- there's a, almost a, a pressure in news media. And, and I do think that there are journalists who are, uh, who have a lot of integrity and are doing a great mm-hmm. job at what they're doing. At the same time, there's, I think there's a lot of pressure in news media to be sensational and to yeah. go and to kind of push the envelope mm-hmm. in order to make sure that they still have a job tomorrow. And that's a problem. Uh, I, I think that that's a, that it pushes media in a way that, 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 um, is unfortunate. Now the alter, I'm like, what are the alternatives? Well, then what do you have? You have like a government run media Which platform. Also has its own That's leaders. a problem yeah. too, you know? So I, I don't know that there's a, a, a solution necessarily, but I think it's just important to recognize um, where, where those temptations are and that, and that we need to recognize that the people who are writing those things are fallen and can fall to those temptations yeah. too. I think it, it says something. And again, I, I'm not even, I'm not even quite saying, you know, how I, personally would engage with those things. I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll get there at some point, but um, I think it, it assumes something similar to what he said um, about the constitution and the American government, Josh yeah. and his message. He said, you know, the constitution assumes a um, group of people that are submitting themselves um, one nation under God yeah. and their authority. Um, and he got into how that's not really what our nation looks like anymore, but it's similarly that like 
news assumes that um, someone is presenting you information that has the intent of you actually hearing that information accurately. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a great um, burden. It's a gr- it's something you know that should be that I would assume if I'm a news if I was a news anchor I would be like man I want to take that you know be very careful with that and mm-hmm. make sure I'm presenting it clearly. Yeah. But the reality is as you were saying, Chris, you know we're our American nation news anchors across the board, people, political leaders, um, they're fallen, and many of them are not submitting themselves to God authority and leadership anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're not interacting with it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not interacting with it with that same care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, there's other goals in mind. Yeah. And sometimes those goals are ratings, growing their numbers, right. supporting their, you know, whoever owns the, it's, you know, yeah, owns yeah. the agent. It's all sorts of things. And I do think that there are um, media, absolutely, journalists, things like that, that do a great job. They, that they have a lot of integrity in what they do. So don't 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 hear that I'm like yes giving a blanket statement mm-hmm. here. So <laughs> you know things like that. But what can we do as Christians to reduce the influence of media and social media in our life when it comes to this sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. What do you guys do? Um, I try to interact only at the bare minimum. I guess what I use social media for is more. Um, as a as a ministerial tool so that I can kind of keep track of the the people that we shepherd here at Stones. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to kind of see because I mean we people tell what they're thinking and what's on their heart all the time and so that makes it an easy way to kind of start a conversation if I see someone who's Absolutely. struggling. Um but I heard this this term coined yesterday it's called doom scrolling and I mm-hmm. think we have all been victim of this where we will sit on social media for a long time and just keep going deeper and deeper yeah. into like marveling at how horrible things are. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be really deadly for um, for our spirit when we are when we are involved in that over and over again. And yeah. so I mean I think the the instruction to guard your heart is a, is an important one um, where we know that um, our truth really does need to come from the fact that the Lord is in control. Um, and so when we're when we're feeling ourselves getting overtaken by this um, the sadness, just an overwhelming, mm-hmm. overwhelming like mournfulness of of sin that's all around us. Then we need to realize that we need to back up and and probably spend some more time in the Word. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always living in that tension, and I don't do it well all the time. I'm just trying to um, recognize that that threshold for myself, and I think it'd be good for all of us to that's kind really of think good. about that. Yeah. Ariel, that was on the money. So so for me, I think um, as I've been navigating this really for the past year, and I think I. Maybe God was preparing me through COVID to figure out how to deal with our political climate on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, because during the COVID season, as I've expressed, I I was just trying I was trying to keep up so much on what was going on that it was affecting my spirit in ways that I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was I was literally trying to navigate the pandemic as if I was God, like to know exactly what's going on with this disease and where are the numbers going to go and. You know, what does it really mean based off the numbers? And this is talking like last March, you know, and and I came to a place where I was like, you know what? God has um, blessed certain individuals in our country with the ability to navigate these things um, and the ability to do it. And it probably doesn't affect their spirit in negative ways like it does for me, mm. but it's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as yeah. you were saying, I had to kind of work to figure out what that threshold is. I think that's good because there's an admission of a of a um, of a frailty yeah. within ourselves. It, it takes humility, I think, to say like I I don't really possess the ability to um, kind of d- guard myself against all this stuff. If Absolutely. I if I'm reading it all, yeah. 
Well, and last, and, and so, so like, I'll just say what last Wednesday looked like for me. And I, again, I'm not the healthiest version of this. I told myself on Wednesday, I wanted the space to kind of sit with what was going on, um, mm-hmm. to watch it, um, to see it, to hear about it. But I said, after Wednesday, I need to not give it the level of attention I have today mm-hmm. because my spirit can't handle it. Not yeah. the situation, not about how do we engage, but just like, I got to turn off the channel. You yeah. know, after, after tonight, I can do about a day of it and I'll be able to kind of recoup from that. But once I start getting deeper than that, it becomes every day I come home from work, I turn it on, I start to watch it. It affects my spirit. And I think that's the two areas that we see with this, especially with social media, you know, and we see with, with news media is it, it has the ability to not only affect our witness. I mean, that's something I think we talk about a lot is that we're concerned with the way that it affects that we're witnessing to others outside the church, the way that we engage with these things. That's true. And that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. My, sh- my shift that's happening more recently is I'm also really concerned with how it's affecting your spirit. Yeah. Like not only how it's affecting your witness, but how is it affecting the way that you relate to God? Absolutely. You know, that that's becoming um, a bigger concern, not only for myself, but for others mm-hmm. that I know engage with these things. Yeah. Well, he ended up talking about how once you can kind of get, kind of break free a little bit from media that you would come back and say, all right, where, what does God actually say? And he gave two places to actually look for it. One is in scripture and then one is actually to Christian examples uh, around us. So let's just kind of deal with his points uh, when you talk about scripture first. He he talked about first that government is God's idea. Um, He pointed to Romans 13, which we talked about last week, of course, and Mm -hmm. also to 1 Peter 2. I would love to just look at 1 Peter 2 really quick because we haven't... um, really unpacked that one together here yet, but I, I would love to just kind of look at that and um, unpack it a little bit. So Ariel, would you, would you read that, um, that section? This is verse sure. 13 to 17. Sure. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Awesome. Yeah. And I I mean, I think we can see some similarities there with Romans 13, the idea of being subject Mm -hmm. um, to those authorities and giving honor uh, to the the governing authorities Mm -hmm. that are there and things like that. Um, Lots of parallels there. There's something here at the end um, in verse 17 that I think is worth pointing out where um, if we say it again, honor everyone, show everyone honor. Mm -hmm. So that's including believers, non-believers, everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And so I I think there's some some varying um, degrees of ways we treat people in different ways. and, And one that's um, well, two that are super important, I think, is love the brotherhood. And I think, you know, as Meaning that... Christians. Right. Yeah. Um, guarding your heart, it, I mean, take some time to think about how you can encourage yeah. when you feel like the world is in disarray. Like, that's, I mean, replace it with something different. Yeah. Um, but fear God. Um, can we talk about that word fear? I just... Sure. And by, by can we talk about that, I mean, what do you guys think about <laughs> fear God? What do you think it means? Yeah. Um, so... There's always two sides of that coin, right? So on one side, you have this idea of just like terror. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and on the other side, you have an idea of reverence. Um, so when that word is used, sometimes those, those 
both of those things are sort of intention. Um, I think when we're talking about God, we're certainly talking about reverence. Right. Um, we're, we're absolutely talking about that. At the same time, I think there are places in scripture where it is considering the type of idea of like a terror type of fear. Mm -hmm. But in particular, that's when it's talking about his judgment. And so for people who are outside of God's will, you know, non-believers and things like that, the way that we, that they should respond to God is with that kind of mm -hmm. um, holy terror because there is a judgment coming. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I actually so a story came back in my mind, and Chris actually has been studying this deeper than I have. I just heard about it in a sermon. Okay. So, we we Chris and I were talking yesterday um, about um, some events that happened in history in England with the um, the covenanters, the, the yeah. covenanters, and and I think about this idea here of you know fearing God juxtaposed to honoring the emperor, right? And where do those two areas differ? And it's it's that your fear of God should always be primary, and so. In this example of the Covenanters, um, this is a historical time period in England, yep. correct, where the church was asked to declare that the government of e England, the monarch, was the leader of the church. Mm -hmm. And the church was asked to do all these other things, and the church time to time would say, you know what, how can we do that thing and submit to the government and also you know, fear God and, and trust in him? But once it came to the point that they were asked to declare the king as the head of the church over Jesus, they said no. Yeah. And the king said to them, I'm going to, okay, if you don't, I will kill you. Mm -hmm. And their response was, come kill us then. Mm -hmm. See, they held, they held this tension where they held a fear of God over a fear of government. Yeah. They, they, they knew, regardless of what happened in the situation with the king, what their eternal state was, if they held God in his rightful place. Um, they they were not fearful of the king at a level of which they were fearful of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think there's that, to, to, to say what does it mean to honor your government and fear God, it means that God is the primary authority. That right. what, what I think people are saying when they're talking about, you know, when do you go against your government? That's a question that I hear a lot lately. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Um but but what we what we should also know is that we don't ever go against God mm -hmm. for the sake of going for our government, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so it's, that's probably the one place where an, a way to start to think about where do we draw those lines. Yes, because because I think going back to like the Christian examples mm -hmm. idea, I mean, he mentioned so many Daniel, Esther, and then like in in uh, in more recent history, you have you know Martin Luther, William Wilberforce, Harriet Tubman, yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, people who looked at the way that things were being done and said, you know, this is this is not uh, biblical. The, the mm -hmm. way that the way that things are being done in this particular sphere, um, it, for for whatever reason, and so they spoke up about those those things, and were able to affect change in that mm -hmm. direction. Um, I, and I and I think that's I think that's where the line has to be drawn. It, it's about is something happening where the governing authorities. Is actually reversing what First Peter two is saying. You know, is it are they now starting to promote the evil, praise and promote and praise the evil and punish the good? Mm -hmm. um, and when that starts to happen, then something Christians should should be able to speak up and say something about it. And it takes discernment, and there are those yeah. moments. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's Dan, yeah. it's Daniel. You know, kneeling Daniel. before King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. It's there 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 are these clear cut lines. Nobody's saying they're not and. And I don't think the Church of America is going to just continue to just bend backwards until they break. There will be points in which 
at some point, potentially in the future of our history, where we will have to take a stand against something that the government's doing. Yeah. I think I think what we have to process, though, is how can we honor the government along the way in doing that but still hold a healthy fear of God? I yeah. thought the same thing when we read through those verses, that those are really good categories. If we want to think of markers, not to measure necessarily how good we're doing, but just to evaluate our lives to say, okay, how are we honoring everyone? You know, how are we loving the brotherhood? Yeah. You know, do we care so deeply for the church that we hurt for it? <laughs> you know, we, we hurt for the way that we see, you know, the strife within the church. Or right. We see these conversations amongst believers. But ultimately, you know, we need to fear God with not only our own actions, <laughs> you know, and how we engage with those things, yeah. but fear God, you know, on behalf of the sake of the church. And we need to honor our government. That's right. this kind of leads into the second thing that he said was that government is not God. The way that he rephrased it, he said, politics is not religion. Um, and, and so what this is, is it's a, it's a prioritization of the things that we are connected to in our life. You know, so if we have this identity in, in one camp of saying like, yes, I'm a Christian. And we have this other identity of saying, I'm a, uh, this political, political party. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or um, another another sort of identity marker. We have to look at those things and say which one should take precedence here, mm -hmm. um, and which ones of, of these are going to then eventually fall away. Well, I was gonna away. I was gonna go back to something that uh, Mitch said before we even started the podcast about how while those need to be in their proper place, they are also not on the same playing field either. Yeah. And so, like, if we are going back to the titles we talked about last week, you know, if we gave ourselves titles. I, I wouldn't want to say I am a Christ follower and a Republican in the same sentence, like so closely that, <laughs> that they bear the same weight. Yeah. And so I just thought that was worth um, talking about how, yeah. how they just don't even come close to each other. Yeah. And that's, I think what we're starting to see a little bit now is, you know, especially I think in, in the time that we live in, there's a confusion of mm -hmm. where like those identities are sort of blending together and mm -hmm. the, you know, they call, there's a there's a group that's like the they call Christian nationalism type of idea where it's just saying like, you know, my identity as an American and my identity as a Christian are 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 so joined together or even one and the mm -hmm. same, and that's a problem. Like, um, because because those two things are not equal mm -hmm. is what you're saying. You know, they're yeah. they're not equal to each other. So anyway, we talked about that last week. Yeah, you just bit, you just we just have to be careful with with the level of which um, we associate those two things. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and a lot of it, it's so funny. It all comes back to the same things. It's I mean, it's how we engage with God, how we engage with scripture, mm -hmm. practicing proper hermeneutics. One statement I'll throw out there that is foundationally true, but it still rubs people the wrong way sometimes mm -hmm. is that America is not Israel. Right. So, so like, think, just think about that. As in like the people think, of God. Yes. And, think about the way that, yeah. you know, when, and, and what am I saying when I say that it's, we need to read our Bibles properly. Um, so mm -hmm. when like so one way that I, I can see us you know misengage with this is we read the Old Testament and we take you know different you know um, oh maybe the verse and, about <laughs> healing your land yeah if, if we, my people will we, turn we see these things and we see this by good um, I would even say God honoring faithful you know people that are trying to be faithful to God yeah but they'll quote these things as if they're for America and. And they're not. Now, I'm not belittling our, you know, our nation. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I 
think America is the greatest nation. We've all said this. We think yeah. America is the greatest nation in the history of the world. But America is not does not have a role with God um, as if Israel does, other than by choice and submitting itself to God. Yeah. Um, God has not prescribed worth to America that He has prescribed, you know, that He didn't prescribe to other nations. That's right. And and I, I'm not saying that to belittle it. I'm saying that. We just need to make sure that when we start to associate politics so closely to the way that we relate to God, sometimes we miss those things. Um, there's been you know presidents that we would all think that are great presidents that are quoting verses out of Joshua as they're going into battle with Iraq, yeah. as if God ordained that battle. Now they use their discernment on what was best to do, you know, to to take care of justice for the world. I'm not belittling that, mm-hmm. but there's probably not a direct correlation between Joshua going to battle in America. It may, maybe other than for wisdom on yeah. how to engage in battle, yeah. not a, this is going to be justify our decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just have to be sensitive to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's an excellent thing. I mean, cause ultimately one of the goals that we have for this podcast even is just helping people to read their Bibles better. Yeah. And I think that's a really key thing is just helping people to see that these passages that are, that are prescribed for Israel, who was in a covenant relationship with God. I mean, God established this covenant with Abraham, mm-hmm. and and uh, and so this covenant relationship is very special. And and we don't have that. We don't. I mean, we're in a covenant relationship as individuals, as Christians, with God, but not as a nation. So yeah, and and, and really I don't want to get us off the sidetrack of that, but I'm just saying sometimes the ways in which we think that America relates to God affects the way that we read our Bibles. It should be the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> the way that we read yeah. our Bible should affect the way that we think that America relates to God. That's right. Um, and we just have to be sensitive to that. And we have to know that some people know that and, and they can even use that um, to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll call you Bible man now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's <laughs> Bible man, yeah. Bible man. I think there already is a Bible man, isn't there? There is. Uh, <laughs> like a, like a he, it's, uh, Willie Ames. He used to be on okay. Charles in Charge. He's nice. the friends. So the I, I want to give a really quick, funny story about Bible man. So my, very, very fast. So my friends are at a camp. This is a little, I'll be very quick with this. My friends are at a camp and they're, it's raining all the time. And it's a little kid's camp and for a, a church camp and it's a little ch- kid's camp for, you know, for kids and rains all the time. What do you do? So they just start throwing on Bible man videos all the time. And so some of my friends, they're like, step out of the room as they're playing the Bible man video. And, and they're like, dude, I cannot take one more Bible, man. Like, I am done with this. Well, next moment, there's a little kid behind a tree who's hiding there listening to them. Oh, Who left and he goes, what's wrong with Bible, man? (laughs) So, and he's so upset. And they're like, no, Bible man's great, man. Like, he's the best, you know? But yeah, all right, we can leave that in or pull it out. But it's super funny (laughs) memory of them telling me this. Well, the next thing he said here was that government needs a guide. And so he asked this question, whose definition of good and evil do we follow? So he's coming back to First Peter 2. Like if, if governors are supposed to be the ones that punish the evil and praise the good, then whose definition of good and evil do we follow? Um, now, this is a really interesting question in our culture right now because our culture seems to think that morality is relative, right? Yes. So it's determined based on um, – Kind of more like what's popular, mm-hmm. you know, like what what what's the will of the people as as far as what is morally acceptable and morally uh, repugnant. Um, but uh, there's better answers <laughs> than that, especially for Christians. So, can you help us unpack like how do we then come to a place where we can say no? You know, the Bible, like like if someone came to you and was like, "Hey, I think that 
uh, morals are completely relative. It's based on circumstances and, and, and people's opinions. How can you help them to understand, no, actually, truth about what is right and wrong actually comes from Scripture. How do we help them, help, help them to get there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think one aspect of it is they have to look for it themselves. Um, you guys know it. Christian ethics is probably my favorite area of study within the Christian ethics faith. Ethics man. Yeah, yeah ethics man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it, start, it starts with, you know, looking for the answers in Scripture for what you believe, because there are answers for what God says on all these different areas yeah. of life. Um, the problem is that in a society where um, things are relative, you know, things like, like gender is considered fluid, um, mm-hmm. there's, there's not these, these um, concrete things. It's really whatever does the individual determine for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I've even seen young believers that they will, um, I think it's Voltaire, and I'm going to say this in my sermon this week, so you might hear me repeat this, but Voltaire says that God made man in his image and the man continually tried to repeat the favor. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's what we do. We, we look to scripture for the answers that we want. And if they're not there, we'll just flat out go against it. Um, now, even in some areas, I think it's very blatantly concrete what the answers are for the ways in which that God's calling us to think about these ethical issues. Um, other areas, there's like small matters of discernment, but the truth's there. Yeah. It's not that when I say that, I'm not saying that there isn't a right, like God has a right way to do it. You just might not determine the right thing, <laughs> but that doesn't mean you stop looking for it. Yeah, I think I think that's what we see um, in our society. That's you know pluralistic. That yeah. things are all over a spectrum. Is that sometimes people want to say, "Well, I'm going to choose this thing that God says, and this thing I'm not," and they're not willing to actually look for the answer in Scripture. Mm-hmm. They'd rather avoid it um, and then just choose something else to be the authority in their life. And I just don't think that's um, Christian. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that I think that it heads toward chaos whenever you have um, multiple views of morality bumping into each other mm-hmm. and um, not lining up together and then changing. And then, you know, it, it, it turns into chaos. It turns into um, a big problem. And, yeah. um, you know, what's moral for me isn't moral for you. Then we, we have a disagreement. Who's going to solve that? Right. Um, yeah. So it, transcendent exactly. is a mean. Yeah, yeah. Scripture is transcendent. Scripture is God's word. They're, they're, these answers are in Scripture for you, and, and and I know, like, I feel like we're probably just the state of the country. We'll say some things that some people will really like. We'll say other things that that other people don't. One of the things I'll say in this area is that you know we've even seen society take a shift. You know, like I remember growing up, it, f- this kind of idea of fluidity in things, and you know, like pluralism, everybody having their own idea, wasn't so much of a thing. It was more, what does the science say about it? Yeah. Um, that was kind of the big thing when I was growing up was like, even, even talking about sexuality, it was, you know, well, the science says this. Mm-hmm. Well, we've kind of moved beyond that. Yeah. Like, like at least with science, we're at least trying to look for, I want to say concrete evidence. I know for a lot of people that that's not what science is mm-hmm. <laughs> in some sense. It's a lot of its theories and things, but we want to find something that's more concrete that at least supports and approves our ideal. Yeah. We need to accept that that's not necessarily what society is doing anymore. Mm-hmm. Now we're now we're not using even science to support our ide- our ideals. They've moved beyond that. Mm-hmm. And they've started to say that the individual <laughs> decides what is right and wrong for them. Yeah. We need to register that that's going on. Yeah. And we need to recognize as Christians that as Ariel was saying, we look to the transcendent word of scripture mm-hmm. to decide how, what are our ethics and how do we relate in society? If I'm talking with someone who's maybe struggling with that, one of the things that, um, that you can, there's two things that I can 
usually point them to because what we're what we're discussing here is is there a transcendent moral law a law that applies universally to every person in every period of time right that that's basically yeah. what we're saying and and so there's a couple things you can point to the first is um i mean consider the nuremberg trials how did how did we prosecute uh crimes from world war ii mm-hmm. um because we were dealing with people from different countries who had different cultures, different beliefs about what was right and wrong. And yet what happened with those trials is that there was an agreement on certain moral laws that were, that applied to everybody. And so if, if that was not, if that did not exist, then those, those whole, that whole trial process would have been a complete sham. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you can do is um, you can steal the guy's wallet because, <laughs> because if you steal their wallet, they will be like, Hey, give that back. We're like, no, you know, it's right for me. It's, it has to be okay for you. So it, what that does is it immediately forces them to say like, no, there's something, <laughs> there is something that is universally moral. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and, and I think, I don't want to get us hung up on this, but I think, I think one of our greatest apologetics in the current age mm-hmm. is that God is just and God is justice. And I think, I think really when you talk to people, they they want justice. They, do. Yes. <laughs> they really do. That's what we're everybody, crying out for. Everybody, everybody's crying out for justice. Now, the problem is, it, given this kind of pluralistic society, if I'm determining what's justice for you and you get to determine what's justice for yourself and then we're all determining what's right and wrong, you don't ever really accomplish true justice. Mm-hmm. The reality is that everybody, in some sense, wants you know, the murderer, you know, the child molester, to pay for their crimes, you know, to be ridded um, from whatever they were doing in society. Yeah. Well, there is no greater justice than the eternal kingdom of God. That's right. There just isn't. I mean, that, that is what God is at work in doing. Because we can't do it rightly. We can't. Right. Yeah. There, there is no greater picture in justice than justice than eternity. That's right. Where those who submit themselves before God, who, you know, Jesus has died on the cross, paid the penalty for their sins, um, will exist in a world where those things are no more. Mm-hmm. That is that is the apologetic for our society. That's like I don't want to see these things. Yes. No matter where you where you fa- fall on the side of the idol aisle, and so I just I think I think we need to know that, but we also need to know what God says about those things mm-hmm. to do that. So again, it's it's like we we why do we engage? Well, because we know that God calls us to engage in society in these ways. That God cares deeply about these things. But the Bible is our, is our ultimate authority. Yeah. You know, regardless yeah. of where culture may stand on something. By the way, I'm, I'm not actually advocating for people to steal each other's wallets. Yeah, I'm don't just, steal each other's wallets. I'm just letting you know. But you might find out <laughs> <laughs> what they say. The next thing that he said was that the government guards our good works, um, that church and state really should be partners together. So um, this is kind of the last big question that I want to get to. And, and that's, you know, what is what are sort of an ideal model for how the church and state could partner together? What are some ways or maybe some ways that you've seen it done well? I saw something on Wednesday night that I had never really looked for before that I noticed. And, and, and a lot of people are going to be like, what are you talking about? Because there was two aspects of things that were going on in the Senate hearings post you know, the Capitol mm-hmm. being rushed. Mm-hmm. There was, there was some ugliness, you know, there was almost fist fights that broke out on the floor. There was, yeah. there was some really ugly aspects to it. But what I did see, I got to see for the first time, um, politicians that were believers in Christ, um, say some things about how, um, they understand 
their role in society and their role to government. Yes. Um, we saw this even in the middle of the Capitol building being rushed. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We saw people as they're being attacked, telling them, you know, to change their vote for something, saying, I took an oath to God. I don't want to minimize what those people are saying in that moment. That's not a camera opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that to make much of them. But I am saying that I, I was reminded for the first time that there are some people in politics who um, are submitting themselves first and foremost to, to God, and they're not taking an oath to God lightly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, to see the way that they responded in which why they serve in our government um, in relation to the fact that, you know, look, I submit to God. Um I think that's a that's, that's huge. something yeah, we need to remember that there are people that that that's how they're approaching yeah, this. Yeah. Um and then and then I think outside of that it's again as you said Chris it begins with praying for our leaders. Yeah. It begins with understanding who they are, registering that they're people, um caring for them, but but being reminded that this whole narrative that there's just, you know, I've said some things that might make some people mad or make other people mad. The whole narrative that all of them are bad like just isn't the case other yeah. than that they're all sinful, yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. like, like there is, there is, there are people there who are faithfully taking an oath before God and they see it as such. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, you know, one way that I saw this played out when I was at the, a church in Arizona, um, I got to be on a board to help establish a, a little committee, a little organization that, um, basically the goal was to help to get every child who was in foster care, uh, into, or that was in um, like group homes and things into foster placement. And, um, and it was an amazing initiative actually, um, because we looked at the numbers there, there, at the time there was something like 9,000 kids Mm -hmm. that were in the foster system in the state of Arizona. This is in 2012. And we looked at the number of churches in the state of Arizona and we're like, look, if, if like every church just had like one or two families take one child, Mm -hmm. we would have no child waiting Mm -hmm. for a home. And the church can do that. The church can 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 say like, hey, we want to partner with our state and local officials to eradicate um, this problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, I, I just thought that was one really cool well, way. Well, and Josh even gave us an example of that. He did, yeah. He, you know, he talked about how even in policy, you know, there, there's there's a they're working on something right now where that they will call churches for resources when a child's put in the foster system yeah. first, which That's also right. gives them the opportunity to get in a home. Yeah. Just to say this for those who are curious, there are 16,000 kids and you know in that Indiana. are in the foster system in Indiana. It's the wow. fifth largest in the United States. Okay. You know, where like it, it's definitely neat. So there are ways in which the church and individuals can work with the government um, to help, you know, accomplish an issue. Yeah. I was going to go back to um, Josh's example of the um, policies that maybe we as Christians would want to um, speak out for being the Imago Dei, the image of God. Um, And I think that those five things that he brought up were really important. And what we noticed and what the three of us had noticed is that they're very, it's very telling that some of them are more like right-wing issues Uh Uh and some of them are more left-wing issues. Um, Those political parties seem to say like they've got the corner on the market on those particular things. Yeah. But they're all biblical things. Right. So what do we do as believers in Christ and as brothers in, in the church? How do we interact with each other on matters of policy that maybe are under those, Mm. those biblical principles? Absolutely. You, You know, I can't, uh, this is, this is hard because I feel like it gets into 
some stickiness. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think what it does is it informs me that I may identify with a particular political party, but it also helps me to recognize that that political party does not completely identify with what the Bible says, right. <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. Um, even though I, I identify with the political party for good reasons, um, but a political party cannot corner the market mm-hmm. uh, on what on what Scripture actually is asking for their people to do, to, to live out what it means to be a citizen yeah. by the gospel. So what does that mean for us? Yeah, what do you guys so, think? So what's funny, Ariel, is I, I had to, I have just as what I feel like it's difficult of a thing to flesh out, yeah. but but a little different of an answer. I, I, as as you were asking the question, I was thinking to me more about the, you know, I, I work a lot with people trying to seek the the giftings that God's given them, the spiritual giftings that God's given mm-hmm. them um, to work and minister within the body of believers in the church. That that's something that I I'm passionate about. I enjoy it. I like to study it. I believe just as much that the Holy Spirit um, does convict us. Um, I do believe that God gives us um, different convictions to accomplish his mission. Mm -hmm. Where I want to be sensitive to that is that we're constantly at a battle of spirit and flesh. And so it's very easy sometimes to mask convictions (laughs) that are really things that um, we are fired up about in the flesh as if there's something from God. Yeah. But I think I think what it tells me when I look at this, and I think about Christians that do fall on both side of, sides of the aisle, that um, it is it may very well be that God is at work in edifying our society through the convictions that He's giving different individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to also register the polarization <laughs> that we have in politics, though. That like you have to, you know, if you believe this, you don't believe that, and how do you not believe all of those things? So really, what what we're being called to from you, really this platform, you know, this this star that he shared with us, is that how can we relate in society um, as if you know Christ were relating to society, and so we're growing in Christ likeness. So we're growing in our knowledge of all these areas. But I do believe that there are individuals that are going to be more convicted about some of these other things, certain things, mm-hmm. than other things. And when that comes to be the place, they should um, seek to do something with those convictions. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to do that in a God-honoring way. They need to not ignore the other things that Scripture says. But you very well may be more convicted by something about something than someone else. Yeah. And I actually think that's God at work in using the church. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I like that perspective. And hopefully that informs us a little better, too, whenever we are maybe approaching a conflict with another believer over one of these issues and yeah. how they play out. And um, I was telling you guys earlier that— um, that it really we're we're all seeking justice because we probably all believe in first of all God being Lord of all, second that um, the gospel is true, and then then third how to like play that out. But when we get to the third part, we often don't have perfect. I mean, I will say we do not have perfect wisdom yeah. in ourselves. Yeah. Um, and if it goes into a nuance that is not specifically instructed in the scriptures, then we need to be humble enough to say that I do not have complete wisdom on this issue and neither do you. And so therefore I'm going to love you, love the brotherhood. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Well, let's just close with this. The last thing that he said was that government will go away. And um, he pointed to a number of passages, but I want to just draw us to the end of the story, Revelation chapter 11 and uh, verse 15. And this is where we see that the reality of, uh, all of the governments of our world, everything that that we establish as, as people 
are all going to pass away and that Christ is going to take the throne and he's the, going to be the one that's going to lead and and rule forever. And what and Mitch just to go back to what you said, I think it's it's so important that we come back to this reality um, that we preach this reality, that we talk about it to our friends and neighbors, mm-hmm. because it helps us to get out of the mindset of what is here and now is actually like, like it has more weight than it really does, you know? Um, and so this is what Revelation says. It says, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the, of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Um, that's what we as Christians, I think, hold on to as our hope that, um, that all the stuff that's going on politically in our world uh, will all come to an end. And that's a good thing um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because there is a king that is just and righteous. And that's so, that's so um, assuring for Christians to know that you may believe that and the people around you don't and you see the injustice happening around you. Um, but that is the point there in Revelation where the world will recognize that the Lord is Lord of all, mm-hmm. um, where every human institution and ruler will have to bow down. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's great encouragement to the believer. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Yep. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us this week on the Sunday Recap. Uh, hopefully we didn't offend you too much and um, hey, just talk just talk to us if we if we did that's true that's yeah. all i would that's encourage true. you know is and and hey we can be wrong that's <laughs> very true too. I, I probably am wrong on some stuff <laughs> but yeah do talk to us if you have questions or want to chat about any of these things we would love to have conversations with you about that and uh, we're looking forward to starting this new series mitch you're all Let's ready for do Sunday? It, man, follow the ready to go. There's so many direct <laughs> correlations to what we're talking that's about. That's true. And it's going true. into this series. And that's what I love because because it's not it's not like we're just talking about money. It's just it's just again, um, we're gonna talk about the, the, the Mago Day. Yeah. So awesome. it's gonna it's gonna be cool. Awesome. Can't wait. We'll see you next time on the Sunday recap.